Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Today, being Father's Day, I thought I'd focus our attention on our Father, that is, our Heavenly Father. Uh, now, for those of us that are gathering here this morning, and for some of you that are listening to the audio recording or perhaps watching the video recording of this teaching, the Father in Heaven, He is our above all Father. We are His children that are to be led by His Spirit here on this earth. That's His will, His desire, His plan for our lives. In the Bible book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, I'm having you guys all turn to John chapter 3 right now, but just want to quote to you from the, the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. And you've heard me mention that in previous teachings as well. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Right? The children of God, like I said, are, are those that are led by the Spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit. So I hope today you have come to a place in your life where you truly know your Father in Heaven. God, the Creator of all that is, it is His desire that you would come to know Him. So much so is it, is, is it His desire that as we look at John chapter 3 here and looking down with me now at verses 16 and 17, these famous words are, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, would, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So there we see a characteristic of the Father God. He is love, the ultimate definition of love. There is no greater love than the love that the Father has shown toward us. He is not a Father that is condemning us, but rather a Father that is reaching out to us in love. And that's something very important for all of us to know. He's not condemning us. He's reaching out to us in love today. Because, you know, many people have said, if, if God is love, then why this? Or why that? And they fill in the blanks with episodes of their life or you know, that things that have happened in their life to say, well, if God is love, why would this happen? Or why would that happen, right? Not understanding that God is concerned with us from the standpoint of who we are within, who we are as a soul. God looks at our souls, right? He cares for us in our deepest need. And our deepest need is not what the circumstances of this life afford us, right? But rather, our deepest need is who we are as living souls, as living beings, as we as mankind are prone to look at each other from the outward appearance. And we all do it. But God sees who we are 
inwardly. That's how God is looking at us. And it's important that we distinguish that in our lives, that we come to realize that that's what He's looking at. Right? When He created mankind in the beginning, it says that after He formed man from the dust of the ground, it says that He breathed, that is, God breathed into the nostrils of the first man, Adam, right? The man that He created. He breathed into His nostrils, it says, the breath of life. And that man, it says this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, that man became a living soul a living being because of the breath of God, because God put life into that man. And in His great love for us, this is what He cares about today, that, that life that is within us, who we are internally. All kind of things can happen in this world. Things can go right at certain times. Things can go wrong at certain times, right? But God's looking at the inward, who we are internally. Right? who we are in the deepest recesses of our heart. This is where the love of God plays its part. If you, first of all, don't understand this, you will never understand the love of God, and you will never have a true knowledge of who God is and what His will is for your life and the relationship that He wants to have with you. Jesus, whom God sent into the world to redeem our souls, made a matter of, of a fact statement, and that is that He said, in this world you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. There's lots of troubles, right? But because He overcame the world, we can be of good cheer. That is, we can have joy within our souls because of God's plan for our lives, because of God's love for us our Father's love for us. But you see, God is not to blame for the problems of this world. In the beginning, when God created everything, He made everything good. And in His great love, He left this world into the hands of mankind. And all He wanted from us in return was for us to be obedient to Him. When I say us, I'm talking about mankind. When God created man in, in the beginning, He just wanted man to be obedient to what He said. Right? But that didn't happen. Right? But, but the first and the foremost characteristic that we see of God here as it pertains to His interaction with mankind is that God is love. And that God loves everyone. He loves the people of the world. He's not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish but that all should come to salvation. And there's no greater love than the love of our Father. Let me show you more about how much God has loved us. Turn all the way toward the back of your Bibles and find the, the book of 1 John chapter 3. It's a very small book. 1 John chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 1. First John chapter 3, it says this. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. So, you see, when John, the writer of this epistle here, or this letter, 
says in verse 1, he says, Behold, he's saying, look at this. This is amazing. Look at this amazing thing. Wow, look at this. The fact that God has given us the opportunity again to become his children, this is wonderful. This is what John's saying. Behold. In the very beginning, this is what he intended for mankind to be anyway. That is, he intended for mankind to be in a loving relationship with him as his children. But sin, disobedience to God, separated us from God, separated mankind from God, and it still does to this day. But God, in His great love, in who God is, He went to the greatest of lengths to redeem us unto Himself again, to bring us back into a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. And the person that comes to God through Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, this person has been born again of the Spirit of God and becomes a child of God, like I read to you from Romans, right? Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. These are the sons of God. And there's something wonderful waiting for that person in eternity after this life is through. And verse 2 goes on here and says, Beloved, now, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, that's speaking of when Jesus comes back, right? But we know when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we sh shall see Him as He is. There's something wonderful, like I said, waiting for the children of God. And I'll touch on that again in a few moments. But do you see there at the end of verse 1 where it says, Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. What that is saying is that people that have not been born again of the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ do not understand the truth about the love of God because they've never come to know our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when people make statements, and maybe you've done it, when you make statements in life that are like, well, if God is love, then why this? Well, if God is love, then why that? Well, do you really know God? Have you truly come to know Him by His Spirit? Have you been born of His Spirit? Have you surrendered your life to Him? So therefore, those that have the, the propensity to think of God, they do so because they don't know God. Right? They're not understanding the love of God, the truth of God. Let me show you something else here about the love of our Father displayed in Jesus Christ. Turn now in your Bibles back to the beginning of the New Testament, to the book of Matthew. And I want you to find Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And we'll start reading down in verse 11. So Matthew 18, 11. Jesus speaking here says, For the Son of Man has come to save 
that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to, to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Again, we see the, the depths of the Father's love here. This is what He has written in His Word for us to see, for us to know about Him, for us to know about Jesus Christ. This is what He wants us to know about His character. Without the love of the Father reaching out and redeeming us and giving us of His only begotten Son, we are lost sheep. We're lost souls. And God the Father in His great length is not willing that anyone should perish but that all of us would come to the arms of Jesus. The Son of Man came to seek to save that which was lost. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah 53.6, it says this. It says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. So you think of that story that Jesus just told, leaving the 99 to go find the one, right? The one lost. And Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid on who the iniquity of us all? He laid on Jesus Christ the iniquity of us all. We are all souls in need of salvation. We are all lost. And it is sin that makes us lost. But the Father, in His great love, is not utterly casting us off. Instead, He is still to this day, by His Spirit, reaching out to you. He's still seeking the lost today. And He's still going out of His way to find you if you're one of the lost, one of the ones that have not been born of His Spirit and have not come to Him. And He's going to the greatest of lengths to find you, to restore your soul. Speaking of restoring the soul, I want you to, re, uh, to turn now to the book of Psalm. Psalm is in the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter 23. Also another famous passage of Scripture that many people know, like John 3.16 is that I started this teaching with. But Psalm 23... I'll start reading in verse 1, Psalm 23, 1. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, as we read this psalm here, remember what we're talking about here this morning. God loves who we are as souls, and we are souls in need of salvation. We are souls in need of restoration, and that's what God is looking about at, at us about as, right? Who we are internally. Lost souls in need of re redemption, in need of restoration. So when the psalm says here, I shall not want, 
it is speak, it is speaking of there being no lack within us. This is not something where we can say, I shall not want, I, I go after all the riches of the world, all the money, I'm going to have it all, because I shall not want, right? I shall not lack, right? No, this is speaking of internally, what God, that work that God does within us, right? We come to that place where we have found contentment in the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, He is leading me through this life, and I'm content with that. And I'm at peace with His leading and what He's doing and what He's providing and what He's given me. Okay? So much contentment that have we found in the Lord that like it says in verse 2, it describes here, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Do you see that peace? Do you see that contentment that's being pictured there for us, right? Picture the rest. Picture the relaxation of lying down in a green pasture with a calm body of water in your view, right? Like with no cares in the world. Right? Life's not really like that, is it, on the outside? It's not really like that on a daily basis on the outside, is it, right? Not if you focus on this world, it's not. Right? But within our soul, it can be this way. If we are resting in, if we are trusting in, if we are walking by faith in and hoping in and obediently living in and being led by the Spirit of the Lord, right? It can be like this. We can find rest for our souls. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, He said, Come unto me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus said, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus promised. We find rest for our souls when we come unto Him. And this is what we have when the Lord is our shepherd. Verse, verse 3 goes on here and says, and I'm still in Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You see, again, this is what God the Father wants for His children. He wants to restore your soul to to find that which was lost, right? To put you from the path of sin, the path of destruction, the path of chaos, the path of lack of peace and lack of contentment, and to put you on a path of righteousness for His name's sake. Right? Are you living today for His name's sake? Right? Or are you living today for your name's sake, right? Trying to make your place in this world. This only leads to despair of your soul. This only leads to a lack of peace. This only leads to stress and anxiety when we're chasing after the things of the world and we're not finding that rest for our souls that's in the Lord being our shepherd. For now, in this world, we do walk through many difficult circumstances but God wants to guide us through 
through them all. Look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You see, this is what it is like for the ones whom the Lord will allow to be their shepherd. If we would just put our trust in Him, if we would just rest in Him and hope in Him. It's a life of peace, a life of contentment, even in the midst of a world that may be full of chaos and heartache or pain, brokenheartedness. Right? But again, we're talking about the soul here. What does God do within the soul of a person? What is His desire for us? What is this great love that our Father has for us? Verse 6 goes on, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, a life of faith is not about where you are now in this world. It's not about the here and now, a life of faith. A life of faith... Is not about your circumstances, you know, and what your circumstances are showing you on a daily basis, right? These are the people, again, that will judge God based on their circumstances. Based on what's happening around them, they'll say, how can God be love if this? How can God be love if that? Because they're looking at the outward, they're looking at their circumstances, and they're not really looking at what God is wanting to do within their hearts, a life of faith in God through Jesus Christ, His Son, is a life that is all about not where you are now, but where we're going to be and what God has prepared for us. Today, you can know the love of the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And in the end, when this life is over, our Father has something prepared for you. Something that is far above far above and beyond our ability to comprehend right now. We can't see it. We don't understand it. I has not seen. I quote the scripture all the time. I love it because it keeps me focused on this fact. I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. But we get chaotic and we lose our peace and we get stressed when we think we got to have everything right now. Everything needs to be in right order right now. It's, it's not going to be that way. Not on the outward, but it can be on the inward when we're resting in the Lord and we're trusting in Him and when we're casting all of our cares upon Him, as the Scripture says, understanding that we can do so because He cares for us. Let me show you more about the love of the Father. Turn to the New Testament book of John again. But this time, I want you to find John chapter 14, the Gospel of John. So you have in the beginning of the New Testament, of course, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We're looking for the Gospel of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and I'll start reading in verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking here, most assuredly, I say to you, 
He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than, than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Now Jesus here was of course speaking to his disciples and he was preparing them for the fact that he was going to die and go back to be with the Father. But he's letting them know that there's still work to be done. There's still souls to be won as there is today. And they were to be fishers of men. Just as Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, so were they to go into all the world and to do. And today the gospel still goes through out into all the world, through people that are preaching the gospel, people that are reaching out with the truth of the word of God, right? But the disciples of Jesus were going to go and spread this message, right? The good news that, that there is salvation for the soul. And these disciples would indeed go on and do just that. And in his name, they would do many mighty works in leading people to salvation. In verse 13 here, Jesus continues and says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Remember, Jesus is preparing them for the fact that he's leaving, but he's telling them he's going to give them a helper. Who's the helper? Verse 17, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That's why I read to you early on in this teaching here that those that are born of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God, right? And the Spirit of truth, Jesus says in verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So the Spirit of truth, the world can't see. I mean, I with my eyes can't look out and see the Holy Spirit. But I know He works within me. And I know the work that He does within me as I walk in obedience to the Word of God. And that's the key. We have to walk in obedience to the Word of God, to the will of God, and be led by the Spirit of God, not led by the Spirit of the world. But when we focus our eyes on the world and everything that it brings, we get chaotic. And we lose peace, right? And we, we kind of, in a sense, are losing our souls. Jesus said, What shall... What shall profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? In other words, if we chase after the world, if we're fixed on the world, we're focused on the world, we're losing our soul. And we're losing that peace and we're losing that contentment and we're, we're missing out on the love of the Father and what He has for us. I don't know where I left off, so I'm just going to read it 17 again. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. What's Jesus doing with the Spirit here? He's relating it to being Him. He's going to indwell us by His Spirit. He says, I'll be with you. The Spirit of the Lord. At that day, verse 20, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them. 
We all have the commandments of the Lord, don't we? We all have a Bible in our house. Most homes in America, most homes in the world have a Bible. They all have the commandments. The question is the and there. Jesus says, and keeps them. Right? We, we know the will of the Lord, but do we keep it? Jesus says, that's the one that loves me. He says, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So again, you see, there is this work of the Spirit of God to be done in the hearts of mankind, in our hearts, you and me. And the person that comes to know the love of God is a person that then, in turn, loves God in the way that they live their lives. And the way that they love God is by keeping His commandments, the commandments of the Lord. And when they are born of the Spirit of God, then they know God and are known by God and are His children. Turn now to the New Testament book of Romans chapter 8. This will be a verse that I read to you at the beginning of this teaching, but we're going to read a little bit more this time. So Romans chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. Romans chapter 8. And there's a lot said in this chapter that I won't teach about this morning. But I just want to go down right now and pick up in verse 14. So Romans 8, 14. This is the verse I've quoted a few times already. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, if you don't know what that means there, Abba Father speaks of an intimate relationship with God the Father that we, can that we can have now. It's like using the word daddy. It's like when a child uses, the, a little child uses the word daddy today. This is a kind of relationship that God in His great love wants for us to have with Him. That intimate, personal, loving relationship. And as verse 16 says here, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Remember Jesus said He sends His Holy Spirit, right? And He would be with us. And that Spirit is testifying and bearing witness within us, right? That we are the children of God. What a wonderful love that is. A love that made it so that we can have a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Right, and this is what the love of the Father does. It not only is the not only is God the author of love, He's the very definition of love. He's the provider. He's the initiator of love. There is no greater love than the love of our Father God. There, there is much that earthly fathers can learn from the character of our Heavenly Father. And if you're an earthly father, you should be like your Heavenly Father. But obviously you can't be like your Heavenly Father if you don't know your Heavenly Father. The Father, to redeem our souls, gave the Son. The Son, to give us eternal life, 
He gave His life. And then He gave us His Holy Spirit so that we would not be left alone on this earth. He is our shepherd. He's the one who walks us through this life and guides us and restores our soul. The Spirit works within us to give us the power to live the love of God here on this earth. The Spirit testifies within us that we are the children of God and we can find rest for our souls as we live this life by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing His Spirit to lead us as the children of God. So this Father's Day can be so much more than any other Father's Day if you just commit your life to Him wholeheartedly today. He is searching for you. He has reached out to you through His only begotten Son, Jesus, and He wants you to be a part of the family of God today. To come back home from your wandering. To come back to the Father that will run to meet you as soon as you turn to come unto Him. Now, some of you have a Father on the earth still, and some of you do not. Some of you never knew your earthly father, and some of you may wish you never did. You see, earthly fathers are not always, they don't always live like they're worthy of honor, though I know that many are. Whatever the case as it pertains to your life, there is one thing that remains sure. You do have a heavenly father the creator of all that is. The one that breathed that life, that breath of life into the nostrils of the first man. And that life that he breathed into the nostrils of the first man is so powerful, so amazing, that it continues on still in the bodies of the living today. That breath of life that he put just in the nostrils of one man has been passed all the way through to us who are still breathing today. You are today a living soul by the power of the breath of God, our Father. That life that He gives us. That, and we can have abundant life in Jesus Christ. The question today is, do you know your Heavenly Father? And do you honor Him with your life? There is only one way to know Him. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through Me. So in this brief, this brief little Father's Day message, I'm, I'm doing something a little different. I'm not making it all about earthly fathers today, but rather to be about our Heavenly Father. Sure, and enjoy this Father's Day. If you have a Father here on this earth worthy of honor, then honor Him today and, and every day. But there is none greater than our Heavenly Father. And there is nothing more important in all this world than you coming to the place where you know Him. And where you know Him so well that you cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. You have that intimate relationship with Him. Loving Him, honoring Him, committing to Him, all that is in you. Our Heavenly Father desires this for you. 
And in return, He'll restore your soul. And He'll give you that life of peace and contentment when you live focused on Him. And He's done all that He can to make that possible for you. Right? Make, to make it possible that you can know Him. What you do with this Father's Day message, really, which is, this is an everyday message, but it's a matter of the heart. And it's between you and God, the Heavenly Father. With this message, I've, I've led you to some place this morning. I've, I've led you to a, to a place where you need to make a decision. Are you going to come to God, our Heavenly Father, today? Because you're not hearing this message by accident. Are you going to turn the path, turn from the path that you've been on, where you've been walking without Him and not led by Him as your shepherd? If you're going to do that, all you need to do then is to, from a sincere heart of repentance from your sin, turn, right? And call out to Jesus. I can't do that for you. But I know that if you'll hit your knees today and you'll call out to God in the name of Jesus, He's been seeking you. He's been looking for you. You're that lost sheep. And you will find rest for your soul. But you need to surrender to Him today, to come to Him, to lay aside everything you've ever known and everything you've ever been and give your all to Jesus, all that you are to Him. Right? He's the only begotten Son of the Father. There's no way to the Father except through Him. Then you will know our Heavenly Father, and in so doing, this will be a Father's Day to remember. This will be the greatest Father's Day of all time. And for those that have professed the faith in Jesus Christ, but you found yourself maybe in chaos, you, you found yourself that you've kind of wandered away, and, and your soul is chaotic, you don't have that peace. Well, what you can do today is fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. You can turn your life right back to Him as well. And that's a matter between you and God as well. So, again, this has not been a normal Father's Day kind of teaching that a lot of churches do, but this is, this is a story of the greatest Father of all and a Father who's calling out for you and seeking for all of us to come unto Him in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, we thank You, God, for the fact that You have not left us as orphans. You desire to dwell within us by Your Spirit, Lord Jesus. We thank You for giving us Your Spirit, Lord. I pray, God, for all of those listening or watching, God, that that they would come to that place where they would surrender their lives to You, Lord, because we need You, Jesus. We need You, Lord. We need the restoration of our souls. We need that peace, that contentment that You bring, Lord. We know the day will come, Lord, when we will all see You face to face. That day will come when, as Your Word says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But will we arrive at that point ready 
because we have known you, because we have been born of your spirit, Lord. I know that's your desire for each and every one of us. You are not willing, Father, that any would perish, but that all would have everlasting life in Jesus Christ. So we thank you for your great love this day, Lord. This day is something we recognize as Father's Day. But Lord, this is the day that you have made, as is every day. And we can rejoice and be glad in it because we know you and only because we know you, Lord. So let your will be done in all of our hearts and minds, we pray. And again, we just acknowledge you in this time and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.